Dominic, Dominic, Dominic. Highly contested. T3 on the track. The takes is high. Highly contested. It's getting wild. Highly contested. If you wanna talk the talk, then you better walk the walk. Get the facts, show the stats. Act like radios are all. The takes is high. Highly contested. It's getting wild. Highly contested. If you wanna talk the talk, then you better walk the walk. Get the facts, show the stats. Hello and welcome to Highly Contested. This podcast covers some of the hottest topics in the world of football and basketball, where our crew gives our highly contested takes on these topics and supports our takes with facts. I'm Andrew and I'm here with George and Joe. George, how you doing today? Doing great today, man. Just long day, but we out here being highly contested and whatnot. How you doing today, Drew? I'm doing pretty good. Thank you for asking. Yeah, it's been a quite the day for me, but you know, got got a nice little relaxing venture. Got to podcast a little with my boys, and I'm loving it. I'm loving life right now. What about you, Joe? How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Awesome. All right. So some of today's featured topics include Lakers versus Heat, NBA Finals, who you got, and why. What do the Celtics need to do in the off season to get over the hump and make it to the finals? And what did we learn from watching Chiefs versus Ravens on Monday Night Football? Let's dive headfirst into it here on Highly Contested. We are going to jump right into the NBA Finals. After almost an entire year of NBA basketball, we are finally at the pinnacle of the season, the 2020 NBA Finals. The two teams we have featured are the Los Angeles Lakers, who some, if not most, picked to represent the West in the Finals, and the Miami Heat, who a very small percentage of people expected to make the finals. So, George, I don't even know why we're asking you this, but NBA Finals, Lakers versus Heat, who you got and why? All right, man, this is a tough one. I've expressed, you know, my my feelings for the Miami Heat, but I'm going to be totally objective today, and I got to go with the Lakers, Lakers in five. Uh Uh-oh. I just need to know what what are the answers for Anthony Davis and LeBron James. I don't see the Miami Heat having those answers. AD is averaging 28.8 points, 9.3 rebounds, 3.6 assists in these postseason games. LeBron is averaging 26.7 points, 10.3 rebounds, 8.9 assists. The Lakers team is totally engaged offensively and defensively, led by LeBron and Anthony Davis. At this point in the playoffs, we already know who these two teams are. And if the Heat plan on playing from behind like they did with the Celtics, it's not going to work out for them. And if we look in the regular season between the Lakers and the Miami Heat, Lakers won both of their games. In the first game back in November, the Lakers defense held the Miami Heat to only 80 points, which was the lowest of the season for them. While shutting down the Heat, LeBron and Anthony Davis looked dominant. LeBron had 25 points, 6 assists. Anthony Davis had 26 points, 8 rebounds, 7 assists, 3 steals, and 2 blocks. In the second game, Anthony Davis was even more dominant. He had 33 points, 10 rebounds, and 3 blocks. While LeBron flirted with Ole Miss triple-double with 28 points, 12 assists, 9 rebounds. And... Like I said, they took the season 2-0 to the Heat, so I don't see how they're able to stop them. What are your thoughts, Drew, on this season or this finals game? Before I express my thoughts, I kind of want to know, Joe, what are your thoughts? 
All right, so this one was a hard one for me because I know what these two teams are capable of, but I think the Heat will win in seven. This will be a heavily defensive game, and the Heat's head coach is LeBron's ex-head coach. Also, I I think he has some intel on on to tell his team about LeBron, which could possibly help the t- the Heat slow down LeBron, not stop him, at least slow him down. All right. Well, <clears throat> you guys make some you guys make some interesting points. Uh, George, you had Lakers in five, I or yeah, five, I believe, right? Yeah, Lakers in five. Yeah, and then Joe, uh, what was your prediction? You said you said what again? I said Heat in seven. Heat in seven. <sighs> Man, I I like both of these teams. My heart says the Miami Heat, but my head says the Los Angeles Lakers for the sole reason that they have the best player to ever play the game of basketball. Bam and AD is going to be a fun matchup. They both have skills offensively and defensively that have caused problems the entire playoffs for opposing teams. I'm going to love seeing how they match up with each other. Both have averaged about 36 minutes per game, and they both average exactly 57.1% from the field ever since the playoffs started. Anthony Davis averages more points, but Bam averages more rebounds and assists, so it will definitely be a fun matchup to watch. The real question is whether or not Jimmy will take on the task of guarding LeBron. They have Iggy, who has done a tremendous job of guarding him when he was on Golden State, a big reason why he won finals MVP in 2015. I'm not sure if at his age he will be able to guard LeBron as well as he used to, but I'm also not sure if he has to. We all know Jimmy is a dog, and we all know he lives for moments like this. I think he's going to step up to the task and guard LeBron. He's not going to put the clamps on Braun, but Jimmy can definitely limit him, and that might be all they need. He's going to have to do it, though, for four games with the Miami Heat coming on top. So there's that. Overall, I think the Heat can win two games, but I foresee a 4-2 to two victory for the Lakers. LeBron gets his third finals MVP on a third team, which along with all his other accolades will cement him as the greatest of all time. What are your thoughts? All right. So Drew, I want to get back to what you said that bam, he has a better rebound percentage than AD, right? Is that what you said? Yeah. I said in the playoffs, he has had more rebounds per game. All right. And that was a problem with the Nuggets on the when they play when the Nuggets played the Lakers, if the Nuggets out rebounded the Lakers, that was a higher probability that they might have won that game, like they did when it was uh when they won their second game, I think. Mm, so you think that the Heat are going to provide a stronger competition for rebounding the ball? Yeah, off of the off of the boards, you'll see a higher number in the rebounds, and I guarantee you, it'll be a lot of them are going to be close games. But mm. I think that the rebounding is going to be. Uh, X factor. That's my X factor. Rebounding. Mm. George, what are your thoughts? Yeah. So back to your point, Drew, on Iggy. So in the four finals that Iggy and LeBron played against each other, LeBron has averaged 33, 10, and 9. And to your point on the rebounding, 
the Miami Heat, they're a smaller team than the Lakers, you know? So I, I don't see that average going to the Heat per game basis. What are your thoughts on that, Drew? Yeah, Iggy, he... He doesn't like, I mean, it's not necessarily that he stops him from scoring because as I mentioned, LeBron, LeBron can't be stopped. He can only be limited, but he did, uh, Iggy would do a good job every like now and then he would grab, he would grab, um, not grab, I'm sorry. He would limit LeBron to, you know, low scoring games every now and then. And that was enough because this is you know, every team that LeBron's been on, he's had to be the top scorer or be close to that top scorer every single game in order for them to have a shot at winning. And we all we all know that if LeBron isn't as if LeBron isn't that star caliber player, that superstar or like goat caliber player that we all expect him to be, that they'll lose those games whenever he's not at that level. What are your thoughts, George? Yeah, I don't see that happening in this series. I saw it happening, you know, against the Warriors because they were such a better team than how this Miami team is constructed. So I do think that LeBron could have a bad day and the Lakers could still come on top. But I got a couple keys for the Miami Heat if they want to come out on top. So my first one is going to be three-pointers. So we know the Miami Heat, they love to shoot the three-pointer and they shoot them with a high volume and a really good percentage. So they got shooters all around who can hit those. And we've seen the Lakers, you know, be a below average team when it does come to threes. So that'll be a big factor in the Miami Heat's favor. Another one will be uh, the Lakers missing their free throws. So we've seen them be a poor percentage free throw shooting team. So that could easily sway in the favor for a Miami team. You know, if the Lakers are missing a lot of their free throws. And another point that Joe mentioned earlier is Coach Spolstra. So what is he going to be able to do defensively to stop, slow down these Lakers? Um, You know, with Giannis in the first round, they built up a wall. uh, With the, or not the first round, the second round. Um, With the Celtics, they played zone and that was able to work with them. So what are they going to be able to do against these Lakers? Because that zone defense isn't going to work against LeBron. So what can Coach Spolstra cook up to slow down this team? What are your thoughts, Drew? Yeah. You mentioned three great points for the Heat. The first one was the three-point the three point game and how that needs to be on point. I agree 100%. This, this is obviously a much better three-point shooting team than the Lakers have shown. And my one of my keys for the Heat victory too is for a Heat victory too is that they gotta you know they gotta make sure that they go off from three, and with guys like Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, Jimmy uh, Jimmy Butler has proven that he can make a shot or two when the game's on the line, and of course Goran Dragic who you know is kind of that you know that little engine that could of that team because he is just proving to all of us that even though he's an underrated player that he can step up when the team needs him. So the third, the second point that you mentioned was free throws. And I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to actually disagree with you on this because yeah, the Lakers have shown that they're not a poor, the Lakers have shown that they're not the best three point shooting team, especially in these playoffs with all these other great caliber teams. But 
when when the moment calls for it and when LeBron has needed to, he has stepped up and he has made those free throws for his team. We saw that in the, we saw that in this Nuggets series in the Western Conference Finals. And your third point it was was uh, Coach Spolstra. And you make a great point with that one too, honestly, because if there is any coach coming out of the East that can stop or limit LeBron and this Lakers team, it is Coach Spolstra. That's, that's my... That is my 100% strong take on that. So he's got to be, his coaching has got to be a lot better than uh, Frank Vogel's coaching, which we have seen in the past that he has outcoached Frank Vogel before. So will he be able to do it again when Frank Vogel has a, on paper, has a better team? We'll just have to see. Yeah, like, I mean, those are just points that I was making in favor for the heat i don't see them winning this series but if they want a chance to win they definitely gotta you know double down on them threes and hopefully for them is the lakers miss clutch free throws and we have seen lebron miss some of those we've seen him make a few but he's not the greatest free throw shooter to ever shoot the free throw and coach spole he's a great coach so we'll see what he can draw up for these guys because they're undersized and they don't have stars like the Lakers do. And normally in these situations, the team with the better players is the team that comes out on top. And the Lakers arguably have two of the top five players on their roster. Yeah. When it comes to the NBA, it's very star centric, meaning that it's not one of those leagues where you can have an amazing team and it'll like a team that, not necessarily has like a superstar, but they still come out on top. There's a lot of other sports, you know, primarily football, soccer, you know, those are the ones I could think of off the top of my head where you can have an amazing caliber player on the team, but if, if the team overall is just not flowing, there's no chemistry, then other teams that have built that chemistry, even if they don't have a superstar player, they can definitely show that they're the superior team. This is not that kind of sport, though. There's five players only on the court for per team at all times. So if two of those five players are the, are the two of the top five players in the NBA, obviously that's going to be just way too much for the Heat to handle at given moments. I agree. Joe, any last thoughts before we move on? Now we can move forward. Awesome. All right, let's talk about the other team in Los Angeles. The LA Clippers announced on Monday that they would be parting ways with head coach Doc Rivers after multiple winning seasons with the team. The Clippers now look to find a new head coach that can get this team over the hump of not even making it to the Western Conference Finals. So, George, was firing Doc Rivers the right move for the Los Angeles Clippers? Yeah, it was the right move to make. He was there seven years, and we saw what he can do with really good players, and that's just a lot of underachieving. So he had Lob City, he had Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan. Couldn't get them out of the second round. That team was a bust. Then he gets Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and again, can't get out of the second round. And he had a bust of a season. They saw what Doc Rivers could do. And it's time for someone else to be the head coach there. After a fiasco of a season, 
there has to be a change and they're not just going to get rid of all of the star players that they have, especially knowing the resume of Doc Rivers after losing the most 3-1 playoff games while being up in that series of a 3-up. So they definitely needed some change and I think this had to be it. What are your thoughts, Joe, on this move? Okay, they really didn't fire them. It was more of a mutually part of ways, you know. But I think I think Doc Doc Rivers lost his touch in the coaching game. Yes, he's a he's going to go down as one of the best NBA coaches. You know, you know when your time is up, and he knew what his time was up. He's great at at attracting players to his team. So maybe I say he goes into more of a front office type of job. So he can attract the players he likes and get a head coach that kind of fits what he likes to do. But that's only if he continues to want to stay in the NBA and um, at least do something with the team, you know. I think this was definitely the right move for the Clippers. And Joe, I got a couple couple things I want to say to, you know, kind of what you said. But mm-hmm. first, you guys know how I feel about Doc. I think he's the most overrated coach in NBA history. He's always had great players on his squad and does little with what he has. He had Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, and Playoff Rondo, which was the original super team. We're acting like winning one ring with that team granted him the title of being an all-time great coach in this league. He should have won at least one, or should he? Uh, he should have le- he should have won at least one more with this team and didn't because he's not a good coach and he can't close these series out. He took over the Clippers in 2014, and ever since he's been 28 and 32 in the playoffs. And even this year, when reporter when reporters asked about this year's Game Seven and what he would say to his team. He just answered by saying nothing and there's no rally speech to give to his team, which I thought was completely incorrect of him considering that they had lost all the momentum in the series and the Nuggets were coming full swing for that game seven. He's played in 14 game sevens, which is insane considering that most of those series his team was favored to win because he has had the better team on paper. In those game sevens, he is six of eight which is the most losses in game sevens in NBA history by a head coach. Like you mentioned, George, he has lost multiple three to one series leads. Now in the playoffs, one with the magic in 2003, one with the Clippers in 2015. And now this series versus the nuggets. He's just not a good coach, plain and simple. Now moving forward, it'll be interesting to see where the Clippers go from here. If they play their cards right and get a coach who can dial up plays and is about motivating and encouraging his team to take down their opponents, well, then I would be scared if I was a Lakers fan. And George, I know you're going to say that you're not scared, but you damn well should be if they can get the right coach there because that was the only thing holding this team back last year. You're right. I mean, I'm not going to be scared, but Drew, question for you is who is that right coach? Yeah, and that's an excellent question. I have kind of thought about it and I'm not going to lie. I'd like to see I'd like to see Mark Jackson get a second shot at this, honestly. And I think that he you know, I think he learned his not learned his lesson, but he learned what he needed to do better in a sense after 
after he was let go from Golden State. And I think that considering that Steve Kerr, you know, took that team and and rose it to the best that it could possibly be, I'm thinking that he can I'm thinking that he can learn from what Steve Kerr did with that Golden State team and do that same thing to this Clippers team. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm very interested in Mark Jackson. I'm surprised he hasn't been able to get a job for this long. So I don't know if there's something going on behind the scenes. I know a lot of people say things of, of that nature that on why he's not been able to get another coaching job. I think Ty Lue would be an interesting choice. He's already there. He's the assistant coach. And we've seen him be successful and get a championship with LeBron James back in Cleveland. We've seen other assistant coaches that were able to move up after the head coach departed and be successful. We saw with uh, Nick Nurch up in Toronto, and he was able to win a ring. So I think Ty Lue would be the better choice. What are your thoughts, Joe? Yeah, there's also that other coach they have, Sam Castle. And Doc Rivers said himself that um, Sam Castle is ready to be a head coach. So maybe Clippers might look to that option as well. Yeah, out of the two that are mentioned, I probably prefer Sam Castle over Ty Lue. This is this is no offense to Ty Lue. It's just the honest truth. I think that the reason why he had he has that ring with Cleveland is because he had the best player in the world on his team. I don't necess- I don't think that he I don't think that he himself is a good enough coach to carry this team over the hump personally, but I would like to I would like to see him try at least because if he can't do that, then of course it would just prove my point, but if he can do it, then I would love to be proved wrong. Yeah, I mean to that point, if we've seen him do it with stars before, then why not see him do it again with someone who I mean, people put Kawhi up in that top three category. So, you know, that's not too much of a downgrade from having the best player to the third best player in the NBA. So I think he'd be able to do it compared to, you know, a coach that hasn't been able to do it in the coach you guys are are putting in that conversation with him. So I think Ty Lue would be good. He knows how to work with superstars. He knows, you know, what his role is as the coach. He knows what their roles are as the player, and he knows how to work with them and get the best out of them. We've seen him win a chip with LeBron and other stars. Even when, you know, things were conflicting in the background, he knew how to manage the locker room and get his team motivated to win. Yeah, I I, I think there's a huge difference between having a, a star caliber player like Kawhi versus having, in my opinion, the greatest player of all time. There is, there's a pretty big difference with that. Kawhi is a great player. I've never, I've never not liked Kawhi. I've always thought he was an amazing player and he's, you know, come a long way since entering the league on the San Antonio Spurs. But you're talking about him compared to a guy that's in year 17 and is in the finals again and there's just there's no comparing that there really isn't he is he is just right now undisputedly the best player and he is just he he's the type of person that he doesn't need a good coach he can elevate the team himself really without a good coach we've seen that multiple times i mean they had they had david blatt up in cleveland and he still made the finals with David Blatt as his coach, along with, um, which, which I know that Ty Lue took over, but they still, you know, they still, of course, had 
the playoffs in their grasp with David Blatt as head coach. Yeah, I mean, we've seen him lose a lot without a good coach, and we've seen him win with good coaches. So he didn't win until he had Coach Spolstra, who's a really good coach. And Ty Lue, I know a lot of people give the credit to LeBron, but we haven't seen him not be able to do it anywhere else yet. So I don't want to discredit him as a coach yet because we haven't had the opportunity to watch Ty Lue do it again. So for all we know, Ty Lue could be a really good coach with one of the best players of all time on his team. Um, but we've seen other coaches not be able to win with that LeBron James on their team. So, you know, I still give Ty Lue the credit and I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and see if he can do it again with a Kawhi Leonard, a Paul George. And if they're able to keep a lot of those pieces there, they mean they got some really solid pieces there. So I think Ty Lue would be the the right choice, the easy choice. But I don't know if they'll branch out and try to get someone else. But, I mean, I, I do like Mark Jackson, so I wouldn't hate that move if that's the decision they ended up going with. Yeah, I think my biggest beef with Ty Lue, too, is it's very it's very clear and obvious that he took kind of a proverbial backseat, in a sense, to LeBron James, of course, because LeBron is the biggest the, was the biggest name on that Cavaliers team. I'm a little concerned that Ty Lue is going to, is he just I don't know he seems a little beta to me and I'm a little concerned that he's just going to allow Kawhi to sort of run the show and that's not what the Clippers need the Clippers need a coach that can elevate this group and not let this group walk all over them what are your thoughts yeah um we'll see we'll see how this works out for them but Again, I think Ty Lue, like I said, I think he understands his role as the coach. And with LeBron James back in the days of Cleveland, he he understood that LeBron James has power. He's the man. And with most teams in the NBA, that's usually how it works. The stars have the power. But I think Ty Lue is a good coach. I think he could get it done with this squad. Uh, Joe, what are your thoughts? Uh, see, with Ty Lue, like Drew said, he he's more of a beta. The alpha of that Cavaliers team was LeBron. He Tyloo was just there just so the Cavaliers could have a head coach because they needed a head coach. LeBron LeBron James controlled that team. He he moved the pieces. So if the Clippers have Tyloo there, he's gonna be the beta. They need more of a. Not, I say Doc Rivers. Cause that's like that's what they had, but they need like someone like a little bit better than Doc, which it wouldn't be Tyloo. Yeah, I I just think that Tyloo will just allow Kawhi, you know, possibly Paul George as well. He'll just allow some of these players to just walk all over him. Honestly, that's the vibe that I always got from him as as him being a head coach, but. Moving forward, I would like someone. I would like someone who can just take control of that team because that's what that team needs. That team needs a coach that can take control of that team and elevate that team to a position that they were they have never been in, which is the Western Conference Finals. And you know, go from there because if they can at least make the Western Conference Finals, that's a big jump forward, and they could they could make a push for the finals itself. So. Yeah, I mean, 
going back to Doc, I, I think he ran his course, and that's why I'm saying I, I do think they made the right decision. He was there seven years, and they got to see what he was really about. And, you know, it was time for change. I'm going to ask you guys another question. Do you think this was a move that Steve Ballmer ran through Kawhi and possibly Paul George? Or do you think he kind of just went out and did it himself without asking the star player on his team? Go ahead, Joe. Uh, I think it wasn't, he didn't go out to Kawhi or Paul George. I th- like I said, like what I wrote, I think Doc Rivers knew his time was up with coaching. And so he was, he decided to, they both decided to part ways like they did. I think that he, I don't think he asked them anything, to be honest. I think he just saw it in their body language. I think he saw that they knew that they themselves couldn't get out of this hole that they put themselves in with the nuggets and and this three and one comeback i just feel like personally that after steve ballmer just noticed the body language after after he seen this clippers team go up three and one versus this nuggets team and after he's seen that same team have multiple leads in all three of those games where the nuggets won and ended up eventually winning the series I feel like he just looked at that team and he said, he said, this team should be so much better than what this series told us. And so I think that's, that was enough, including the body language that was shown by Kawhi and Paul George and some of the other players. That's me personally. What are your thoughts, George? Yeah. I mean, I, I would say he would run this through Kawhi, but Kawhi probably didn't really I would say give a straight four answer. He probably just said, you know, like you do what you think is best for the team. Just because I, I don't see Kawhi as being that vocal when it comes to things like that of that nature. So I, I would say he probably did run it by him. But I don't think Kawhi was the type to be like, yeah, get rid of him. But I also don't think he made a case to keep Doc Rivers. I think after a year there on top of the resume that he's had. You know, we just we we know what Doc Rivers is, and he isn't that guy. He is overrated as the coach, and we've seen him underperform for so long. So I think it was just time for change, and you know, Doc's time was up with the or the Clippers. Yeah, and uh, one last question, I think, before we move on, guys. So obviously, Doc Rivers is gone from the Clippers now. Uh, who do you think he would go to if he's going to go to a team? Like I said, um, I think he he wouldn't go back into coaching because I think I think you know he knows his time was up. Uh, he would go more of a front office type of job, so he could attract those players that he did, like Kawhi and Paul George, and uh, attract the head coach that he wants to coach that team. So, what team would he go to if he were to do that? Then, Joe. Hmm. See, Doc Rivers, he, he's more of a show type of guy, so he would go to more of a big market. If uh, so, I don't know. It's it's a it's a tough tough option. Maybe uh, I don't I don't know. Come back to me on out. Let me give me give me a couple minutes. Sounds good. All right, George. What about you? Yeah, I mean the two teams I've heard circulating around Doc Rivers and for his new 
possibly coaching position. Uh, the two teams I heard were the 76ers and the Pelicans. And honestly, I do not want to see him go with the 76ers. Like I've said, we, we've seen him underperform with some really good teams. And we've already seen the 76ers underperform the last couple of years. So I really don't want to see them continue to underperform. So if if out of those two teams, if I were to just pick one, I guess I'd go with the Pelicans and see what he can do maybe with younger talent and see if he can grow them into stars versus getting stars and not letting them reach their full potential. Because even with the Celtics, he was given stars. With uh, the Clippers and Lob City, he was given stars. With the new Clippers, with Kawhi and um, Paul George, he was given stars. So what can he do without stars, and can he make stars? That would be my question, and I would like to see if he could make stars out of young talent that has that potential to be stars versus just give him more stars and see him underperform with them again. What are your thoughts, Drew? So I think that if I had a if if I had a bet because the truth is I'm I'm thinking like where he would actually go to not like where I would want him to go to because the truth is I'm with you I wouldn't want him to go to Philadelphia because we've already seen for the same reasons that you mentioned we already seen that that team has underperformed we've already seen that the stars on that team need that uh, you know, need that fire lit up in their butts to, you know, finally perform well in the playoffs. I mean, come on, you know, Embiid and Ben Simmons. Embiid has, I think Embiid has done a little bit more than Ben Simmons is, but they've both underperformed when the, when the, when the lights were the brightest. And we've seen a ton of players, ton of younger players than them just perform and over and, uh, what's the, uh, elevate themselves beyond what the expectations were. And I think that they need a, I think that they need a coach who will be able to do that. We've seen that doc rivers has not been able to elevate the stars that he's had to the next level. So I do not want to see him in Philadelphia, but the honest truth, if I were a betting man, I bet that he will go to Philadelphia just because of the, of the, um, of the stature that he represents uh, whenever like of his reputation as well, that he represents for everybody else in the league. I think that he'll just go to the 76ers because of that. What are your thoughts, Joe? Yeah, I I agree. The 76ers, but I also say, remember I'm, I'm saying for a front office job, not like as a coaching, but um, I say the Indiana Pacers, because I know they already have two primary candidates for the head coaching job. But maybe the owner will make a room, will make a spot on the front office for Doc. We'll just have to see. All right. Keeping it in the NBA, the Boston Celtics have now made it to the Eastern Conference Finals twice in Brad Stevens' tenure as their head coach, but both times failed to get over the hump to make it to the finals. The Celtics will mount move forward to the offseason to see what they can do to improve their team to make another push towards winning a ring next year. So, George, 
What do the Celtics need to do in the offseason to get over the hump and make it to the NBA Finals in 2021? So like you said, the Celtics have been close to the finals a few times already, but have come up short. So what needs to happen for them to make that jump is for Jason Tatum to make that jump. If he can be that top 10 of a player, then they have a real chance of making the finals with the pieces they already have. I don't think they need to make any drastic trades or free agent moves. Uh, More time with each other, and let's see if Tatum can be that difference maker because he definitely has the potential. Like I said, I don't think they need to blow up the team. I don't think they need to go out and get a super big free agent. Now, of course, that can help because they don't have a true big man. So if for whatever reason, just a hypothetic, if they were able to get a Joel Embiid in a trade or something, that would obviously help them a lot. But just as constructed not making up any rumors or any what ifs to that might not make sense. Like a Joel Embiid, for example, just as is, I think if Jason Tatum makes that jump, like people expect him to, if he could be a top 10 player in this league, then he alone, along with Kemba and Brown and all the pieces that they have such a smart, you know, I think they can do it with a Hayward there. They got the pieces in play. I think they just need more time together. We've seen Hayward. He's been injured the last few years, so he hasn't built that that team chemistry, commodity with the team. Uh, Kemba Walker just joined on the team not too long ago, so I think more time with each other, more health so that they can play with each other, and just Jason Tatum taking that next step will be enough to compete for the Eastern Conference Finals. What are your thoughts on all that, Joe? All right. So this one was kind of hard for me because this is a pretty solid team all around. But if I had to say an area to get better, say maybe the bench. I say the bench because the bench needs to uh, complement the starters. So – that's the that's to me that's what I think is their best bet because like I said this is a pretty solid team already and I think they should make that bench just a little bit better. Yeah, John, with you, hundred uh, percent with this one. They gotta improve that bench. Um, ironically, that bench is the lowest scoring bench in all the NBA. They only average 26.5 points per game, the bench itself. And again, that rakes 30th, dead last. And so my biggest thing was they got to find a way to improve that bench. I say they go after a veteran player that can provide a spark when Daniel Tice goes to the bench. I'm thinking they might want to go after Paul Millsap, who will be a free agent this offseason. He shoots 43.5% from three. He averages just under six re, uh, six boards a game. I know he's older, but they got a good young squad of athletes. Gordon Hayward and Millsap can provide the veteran leadership off the bench and increase their overall bench scoring. What do you guys, what do you think about that, George? Yeah, an improved bench would help, but I think a lot of the starters, because the starters, they score a lot. We see they have multiple games where four out of their five starters all score 20 plus points. So when you have that many starters scoring 20 plus points, 
that's obviously going to be less scoring for your bench because your starters are doing a lot and they can do a lot. But I mean, an improved bench would help if they could get, you know, a six man on there that can go in and score you like 20 points any given night. That'll help. I think a big man can also help. They don't have a true big man in there. And we saw them have trouble with a lot of those teams in these playoffs. So yeah, bench would help. A big man would help. But I think Jason Tatum taking that next step will be that because like we've said in a lot of these series, you know, the better the team with the better players usually wins. So Jason Tatum needs to get to that level where he is the best player on that court. What are your thoughts? Joe, what do you think about uh, the idea of Paul Millsap joining the Celtics? Yeah, that'll be a pretty solid option, but that only will work if the Nuggets resign him which I think he had a pretty good season with the Nuggets, so I think he will stay, but we'll just have to find out. Yeah, I would like to wait. I would like to see what they do moving forward, honestly, because the truth is they have had, in my, in my opinion, they've had the starters, but sometimes the starters are just not firing on all cylinders. And so I think that's when you need something from your bench and usually something doesn't come from their bench which is why i personally believe that they need to improve that bench moving forward adding a veteran someone who has been there someone who's done that someone who can get you those points regardless of the you know regardless of the night or the situation i think that that's what they need they have gordon hayward who is a good guard uh he kind of plays like that shooting guard small forward spot but he's he's a good player to you know get some good points, but they also need a big that can get boards and score as well. And I think Paul Millsap can do that personally. Yeah. Paul Millsap would be a a great choice. And it's almost like the, Oh man, what's I'm drawing a blank right now. He's the player that's on the 76ers at the moment. He was on their team. Al Horford. Yeah. Kind of like a, an Al Horford type player. Uh, so I think a Paul Millsap would be a great choice, a great veteran, you know, someone who's been in the trenches in the playoffs and has been proven to be a great veteran and a great leader and can score for you if needed. So I do think that's an interesting player that they could target. But again, when we're talking that next that next level, that hump, it's not going to be role players that get you over that hump. It's going to be star players. So can you get star players or can your young players become stars? So like I said, I think Jason Tatum just needs to become that star that a lot of people project him to be. And I'm not saying he can't be that, but that to me will be the next step for that Celtics team. What are your thoughts, Drew? Yeah, I it's interesting that you mentioned Al Horford because, you know, when I look at this Boston team, I circle that spot where Hal, where Al Horford used to be. And I'm like, dude, they could use a player like Al Horford in this spot. And they had him, but they lost him. So it's interesting that you mentioned Al Horford because that's that's one of the biggest things that I thought when when I was looking into this topic and I was thinking about, you know, what they could do. And I was thinking, man, they, they had it though. <laughs> and they lost it. So, but yeah. Yeah, they lost a good piece in Al Horford. I agree. 
All right, so moving on to the NFL, the Kansas City Chiefs took on the Baltimore Ravens on Monday Night Football. The Chiefs took it to the Ravens by downpouring deep ball after deep ball, most for touchdowns. Lamar and company attempted to make a comeback but fell short when Mahomes led a drive of surgical precision to put the game away for the Chiefs. So, Joe, we're going to start with you on this one. What did we learn from watching Chiefs versus Ravens on Monday Night Football? All right, so what we learned from Monday night game is that the Chiefs are the Ravens' kryptonite. Even even um, Lamar said that. This is a star-studded team. Every side of the ball has that type of player. Like, if he gets going, he's going to be hard to stop. They had a little mix-up in week two, but they still ended up winning against the Chargers. But their next game is going to be a battle because they're facing the Bill Belichick's Patriots. And they're coming off of a blowout against my team, the Raiders. So this is going to be a great challenge for the Chiefs just due to coaching. So I want to see how Andy Reid coaches is going to be coaching this team to see if he can outcoach Bill Belichick. And George, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so this game showed us why Patrick Mahomes got a half a billion dollar contract. He didn't just throw for a lot of yards and a lot of touchdowns, but he showed us how versatile he is. He would drop back and throw dimes downfield. He was juking. He was dancing around. He made big play after big play. The Chiefs are still the team to beat, and Lamar Jackson is now 0-3 to the Chiefs while being 21-1 to to the rest of the NFL. So like Joe said, these Chiefs, are his kryptonite. Mahomes didn't just th- or Mahomes didn't throw an interception or even take a sack while throwing for 385 yards on 31 of 42 attempts. He had four touchdowns and a QBR of 97.7. So this game really just showed us how great Patrick Mahomes is, how great this Chiefs team is, and they are still the team to beat and they do not seem like they are like they got that Super Bowl hangover. What are your thoughts, Drew? What did this game tell you? Man, I don't know if I don't know if maybe, you know, I gotta check my eyes, maybe get a new prescription, you know, for my contacts or glasses. I saw a completely different game than what you're saying. I saw the Ravens just fall apart, plain and simple. Uh this Ravens team, I'm gonna tell you a couple stats. Number one, this Ravens team in the first two games of the season, they only had one penalty. This game, they had six penalties alone in this game you've had two games where you had only one penalty so two full games of 60 minutes each and you had this one game where you had six times the number of penalties that you had in both of those games combined right then i see this i see this baltimore ravens team just missing tackles i see them just attempting to sack Mahomes and they put hands on him and they just they they for some reason just can't bring him down which again is another missed tackle when you think about it it's it's a it's a missed sack but it's also a missed tackle and then Lamar I'm not sure if we should be sold on Lamar Jackson just yet he's had three big games in his career where the pressure was on him and the lights were the brightest on him and he has underperformed The time he played the Chiefs in 2019, his second playoff game, 
uh, last year versus the Titans, and then this game versus the Chiefs coming off his MVP season. The first game was in 2019, week three. He played the Kansas City Chiefs. He had two great games that started his MVP campaign, and people were thinking that he had the potential to keep Mahomes off the field and score enough for his defense to help win versus the Chiefs. They scored the first points off of a touchdown, but then the Chiefs went and scored four straight possessions with no answer from Lamar and his offense. After this, the Ravens play catch-up the entire game, and they just never catch up. Second game was versus the Titans in the divisional round of last year's playoffs in 2020. Lamar turned the ball over three times, and the Ravens failed to convert on three crucial fourth downs, giving the ball back to Tennessee without scoring any points in those drives. The third game was this game versus the Chiefs. The Ravens are down 13-10, and seven of those 10 points came from a kick return touchdown. Their next three possessions were two punts and a fumble by Lamar Jackson. He's got to do better when coming from behind than what he has shown in this game versus the Chiefs. This is their biggest competition. It's no surprise in the AFC. We know it. He knows it. I fully expect them to meet again in the postseason, but he's got to step up, and this Ravens team has got to clean clean their mistakes up. Because if they don't, they have no chance of winning against the Chiefs. So, Drew, I'm going to ask you this. Mm. So, do you think the Madden curse is reborn because Lamar Jackson is on the Madden cover? Uh, To be honest, I don't think that the Madden curse is a thing. I think it's just, you know, the pressure, the pressure has, the pressure overall has elevated itself. Being being on the cover of Madden is a you know is a popularity contest, but there's a reason why you're the most popular player that year to be on the cover of Madden. It's because you know you elevated yourself to a level. Well, next year you have a ton of pressure on you now. You kind of have a target on your back because of the fact that you elevated yourself to a high level before that. So I think we're seeing that Lamar Jackson elevated himself to this level, this MVP caliber player last year, and I, we, so far, I mean, the, the first two games, he did fairly well, but this game, the, not just him, but the entire Ravens team fell apart. So, yeah. The only reason why I said reborn is because Patrick Mahomes was on it last year and look what happened. He won the Super Bowl. So, yeah. And you know, that, that obviously says a lot about what Andy Reid can do as well, which is one another one of my points. But before I get to that, I'm going to go ahead and allow you to speak, George. Yeah, Drew. So you definitely need to go talk to your doctor, get your eyes checked out again, get a new prescription. I don't know what you got to do, but maybe you need a new TV. I don't know, Drew. But if you weren't impressed with Mahomes going out and scoring 27 in the first half to the Baltimore Ravens 10 points in the first half alone, then... You need you need a new doctor, my friend. I mean, he did his job against a team that was beating themselves up. I mean, what do you what do you expect? I mean, I I fully expected him to do that. That Ravens team was just shooting themselves in the foot the entire first half. Yeah, I will say they they have shrunk under some of these big games, but are you, are you worried about Lamar Jackson moving forward, Andrew? I'm worried about him when the lights are the brightest. When when it comes down to playoff time in January and just when it comes to any of these primetime games, that's when I'm worried about him because I know that he can do I know that he can 
handle these some of these bottom tier teams and we saw that like we saw that last year in his can in his MVP campaign we saw a lot of those bottom tier teams that he just demolished and they would they would blow them out by multiple scores and I, we've seen that he can do that so the 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 way that I think and the way that I think most people also think as well is you would think that that would translate to him having to him being able to compete versus other good teams but so far that hasn't shown yet what are your thoughts yeah I'm not too worried about Lamar going forward if we really look at the weapons he has compared to some other players that we put up in that top five category he just doesn't have those weapons and he's actually the weapons that he has he's made them better so even if we look at last season you know who was talking about mark ingram's their tight end no one really was talking about him now everyone's considering him a top tight end in the league uh they have rookie hollywood brown last year who no one really was talking about him until lamar jackson helped him become who he is he was just known as a speed guy but, you know, Lamar Jackson helped that out. He doesn't have a true number one wide receiver like Patrick Mahomes has a Tyreek Hill. He's got a Sammy Watkins. He's got these weapons. The only weapons that we knew going forward with Lamar was Mark Ingram, who was the running back. So, I mean, I say still give these guys some time. See if we could get if they're able to get him a big name weapon. I know they were talking about Antonio Brown in the offseason. And I mean, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but. I mean, a lot of these quarterbacks, they got receivers, and we see what happens when they lose receivers like Deshaun Watson. When he loses DeAndre Hopkins, you know, the team does poorly. So he's actually been able to elevate some of his receivers and some of his weapons. And so I'm not going to knock him on everything because especially on the play in the playoffs and when the lights get the brightest, these defenses can zone in, and they know if they take away him running – he doesn't have the greatest weapons outside to help him out and make these big plays. So I'm not going to pin everything down on him, but I see him elevating some of the players he does have. Joe, what are your thoughts on all this? Yeah, I agree with you. I'm not worried about him, about these this, this last game. Like I said, since there's no preseason, you got to get him warmed up a little bit. But if he, if he keeps struggling after this after that game, then I'm going to say, yes, uh, I'm starting to get worried. And he's not looking like himself last year, even though now there's a lot more tape on him. So the defenses have a better readings on him. Drew? Yeah, and I, I'm i not going to write him off just yet. And I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I made that. I don't know if I kind of like, you know, said that and you guys kind of insinuated that based off of what I said. But I'm not going to write him off just yet. But to your point about the weapons, yeah, I do agree with that. They usually focus hard on defense in the offseason, including the draft. And they don't necessarily focus too much on the offense, which is, in my opinion, uh, you know, I'm a defense, you know, I'm a defensive minded person. And I love and I love watching good defense in the NFL. But, you know, sometimes as we saw, as we saw in that Monday night game, Sometimes your defense shoots themselves in the foot and your offense needs to step up. And if you don't have the role players around your MVP quarterback, then yeah, that can definitely hurt you. So I would agree with you there hundred percent on that one. He does need some better receivers around him. 
and to to kind of I'll, I'll let you get actually I'll let you guys touch up and then I'll kind of finish off with my other. Yeah, so I, w- I was just going to say some real quick and then Joe could respond. So we haven't really seen him struggle against the rest of the league. He is 21 and one against everyone else. And, you know, he is 0-3 against the Chiefs. So, Joe, what were your thoughts? Yeah, um, I want to see him face uh, another good team, say the Patriots maybe, at least another type of caliber like that, and we'll see how he does with them. Yeah, and it's very clear and obvious that this Kansas City Chiefs team is just you know, firing on all cylinders to start the season. They, they do not have a, at least we haven't seen yet a Super Bowl. Um, what do you call it? What do you call it, Joe? Super Bowl depression or what do you, what do you call it? Uh, hangover. Yeah. hangover. That's what it is. Uh, Super Bowl hangover. We haven't seen, we haven't seen that yet from this Kansas City Chiefs team. I'm not sure if we will. This team, they're well coached. They have a, they have an amazing Hall of Fame coach in Andy Reid. They got a lot of weapons around the around the receiving core and the running back core. And of course, you have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. You have Travis Kelsey, who's the biggest, best receiver in the game, in my opinion. You have Tyreek Hill, who could very well possibly be the fastest receiver in the game. I think he's definitely, out of all the receivers that are considered to be fast, he's the best out of all of them. And you also have, you know, of course... Patrick Mahomes, who is a great quarterback and he just, he, he can just, you know, he can just with Andy Reid, of course, at the, at, you know, helping him out, he can just, you know, annihilate any defense really. So this team is well put together. They are primed to win another Super Bowl. I would like to, I would like to see another team step up to them, which is why I'm, you know, which is why I'm wanting, I'm hoping, of course, that the Ravens can do that. But it really looks like this Chiefs team is, you know, ahead of the game against any other AFC team. What are your thoughts, Joe? Oh, I'm just going to get off topic real quick of the Chiefs and Ravens. And if, we, if you want, we could, t- we could touch up on it after this subject. But uh, news broke that the Titans and Vikings closed their facilities after Titans players test positive for Corona. So what do you think the NFL is going to do about that? Are they going to um, cut some of their games or what do you think they should do? Uh, George, do you want to kind of give your opinion on this? What do you think? It doesn't need to be long. Just, just a quick, quick thing. Yeah, I think they'll look into this, see, you know, trace it, see if they got infected with, the other team as well and move forward with that though if they did i can see them you know postponing it a week or two until things clear up and moving forward but it'll be interesting to watch how they deal with this moving forward what are your thoughts drew yeah the thing is is you 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 got to understand obviously there's a few players that have the virus on the tennessee titans they played a full 60-minute game versus the Minnesota Vikings. So now everybody on the Minnesota Vikings has to be kept in check. They have to make sure that nobody has the virus on the Tennessee on the on the Minnesota Vikings as well as the Tennessee Titans before they play their next game. So 
This is going to be a very busy week for the Tennessee Titans and the Minnesota Vikings. They, if, if they even play, they might not be able to, they might not be able to play to their, to their standards and their expectations because of the fact that there's going to be a lot going on this week for them. So I don't know. I don't know how this is going to affect the rest of the league. If they can't play, it'll obviously affect them a big deal. But if they can play, I think it just directly impacts them as teams and it allows the teams that are playing them to have a, uh, a very hefty advantage considering that the Tennessee Titans and Minnesota Vikings didn't really, you know, they had struggles with preparing this week. What are your guys, what are your thoughts, Joe? Yeah. Like the, um, the MLB did this with the, I think it was the Marlins. Um, they postponed 15 games and uh, it, like, I forgot the time span it was. I forgot how many weeks it was. I think the NFL is going to postpone at maybe at least two weeks because I, I think the the um, you need to like I, right when you get tested, you have to wait like two weeks, I think, for testing and all that. So I think they might be doing that. Yeah, this is going to be a lot different than baseball though because if you got to postpone. Their games, you basically got to postpone everyone's games because there's only 16 weeks in the NFL season and they all play, you know, either Thursday, Sunday or Monday. So you can't just postpone, you know, the Vikings and the Titans. You're basically going to have to postpone everyone because now you're just going to mess up with the other weeks going forward. Yeah, that's true. Or the teams that they're supposed to play, they're going to give them the W, like a forfeit win, you know. They could do that too, so they keep the schedule on track. Yeah, I don't think that they'll do that. I think that they'll definitely postpone if they have to. Uh, the entire the entirety of the NFL, and they could postpone it for two weeks, like you mentioned. I think that's what they'll do if they decide to postpone. I think they'll only postpone it for two weeks, just enough for the players that have the virus to uh, make sure that you know, make sure that it's kept in check, and make sure that they don't. Uh, that they can't infect people moving forward. Um, it might be longer than two weeks. I don't know. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see. What are your thoughts, George? Yeah, I think it's going to depend on how many people contracted the virus. If it's just you know a small amount of people, then I think the games will continue and just those players won't play. But if it's the majority of the team and then the other team also got infected then you definitely got to postpone games. And like I said, I think at that point, you basically have to postpone everyone's games just the way the schedules work. And it'd be too hard to just postpone their games. And you're not just going to give them a forfeit win or loss because in a pandemic, that that's just not going to fly right with everyone in all honesty. So We'll see how they handle this. This will be a, a test to see if they can even finish the NFL season. Yeah. It definitely, yeah, it definitely will be a test. Well, we're going to move on to Thursday night football. Joe's weekly pick him. He's going to only do Thursday night football. Joe, who do you got, Broncos or Jets? I got Broncos winning this one in a close match. These are two teams really struggling with injuries. But I think the Broncos are going to edge this one out slightly. Mm, it'll be interesting to see. All right. Yep. One team out of these teams will definitely get their first win on Thursday. So, yep. I think that's how it works. Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. 
Well, that's all the time we have for today, everyone. Thank you for joining us here on Highly Contested. We are going to post a podcast every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, so be sure to stay tuned, keep with it, and be prepared to be highly contested. Have a good one.